Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It is December 2nd, 2022, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can email me whenever you want, Jason at overthecap.com, and I'll get back to you probably within a week if you email me, but uh, I'll get back to you at some point, or at least I'll, I'll mention whatever you said on the podcast. As usual, I am joined by Nelly the Bunny. Nelly, we have anything? One week, one of, one of these weeks, I, I, I have a feeling Nellie's going to be making a lot of noise or something. But uh, once again, it looks like we have a quiet Nellie for the podcast. Recording this one a little bit later uh, than usual these days, but uh, hopefully I'll make it through this okay and the voice will be relatively intact and hopefully I will not just uh, completely drag on by the end of this. But uh, got a little bit of a late start today. So anyway, we've got the... Um, Back to the low carb kind of stuff this week. So I was going to get the Christmas uh, Christmas ale again if they had it, but they did not have it. I saw they did have, uh, which I've never tried before, Southern Tier does have some type of sugar cookie ale. I thought about it and I said, you know what? I, I probably should just go back to doing my uh, little low carb stuff for a little bit longer here. So instead, I just went with the Dogfish Head Locale IPA that they have, the Slightly Mighty Locale, which is, eh, it's all right. It's a, uh, you know, if you're going to get a low-carb beer and you want it to have a a little bit of a little bit more flavor to it, I guess, um, you know, this this is a pretty decent one to have. These just, and I know I've said this before, and I'm like a broken record with it. They're just not something that you can drink if you're actually drinking other stuff at the same time. Like if you are having something that is really hoppy or something, you know, where you got all kinds of bitter stuff and everything, and then you go to this, it's like drinking water. But that's okay. We'll uh, we'll go back to some other things. But if anyone tried that sh- uh, sugar cookie ale or whatever it was called, uh, let me know. I'm just kind of curious about it. I hadn't seen it before, and it kind of caught my eye, and I was thinking about it and i did look on um oh one of the beer sites i don't know beer advocate whatever it was and it did have pretty good ratings but if uh anyone has any opinions on that let me know maybe i'll pick one up for next week or the week thereafter and um try one of those out and see if they you know if they have it i don't know if that's a uh i'm sure it's a seasonal one they do i don't know if it goes as quick as the christmas sale they have um or at least as quick as that has in the past and both of those are by Southern Tier. So if you're curious about them, want to try them out. Southern Tier uh, Brewing is the the one that has that. That's a free plug right there. Um, so I, I think this week I'll, I'll just go over really some of the stuff that I wrote about on OTC this week that I got a lot of questions on. Um, you know, and really that that was the Russell Wilson uh, piece that I did the, the other day. It was just, you know... The Broncos' offense is just dead. I mean, it, it is as bad of an offense as there is in the league. Um, you know, for those who follow on Twitter, you see every week that I'll put something down on scoring performance. You know, it, it's a very basic thing. I think it does a very good job of measuring teams um, without having to get too crazy with complications. It's just basically saying, okay. This is how many points a team has scored. This is how many points they've allowed. This is what their schedule has done in the games. Um, not against this team. You know, we'll, we'll pull their games out from the mix. You know, what's your percentage over? What's your percentage under? And they're, they're just awful at scoring points. They just don't. 
Um, it, it's just terrible offense. And you watch Wilson play, and there's like nothing left there. Now, maybe some of that is circumstance. Uh, I know Nick brought up, um, you know, when I put out something on it. I don't even remember what I put. I don't remember if it was just one uh, just to put out a tweet for the sake of it or um, if it was something uh, a little bit more serious on it. But, you know, he even mentioned that, um, you know, the, the Broncos are banged up, which they are. They're, they're the most injured team in the NFL. That maybe it's a little bit hard to evaluate them uh, because of that. I think when you get into the the concept of firing the coach, I think that's definitely accurate. And I, I think Hackett will get by with this. You know, the, the the defense has played pretty well. For as bad as things have gone this year, I don't think that you can say there's any quit in them. You know, typically when things go this bad, you'll see the defense completely implode. Uh, you, you'll see things like that happen. And I don't feel like that's happened at all. And I, I don't think that the offense that they have, for as bad as they are, they don't look like they're not trying. The quarterback just doesn't look like he's any good. Um, so I think when you evaluate the head coach, and I know there are rumors that are swirling that the head coach is going to be gone, um, you know, just after one season. But I, I think when you look at that part of it, I think he'll probably get by and they'll say, you know what, it, it was a hard luck season and he's doing the best he can to manage everything. Wilson, uh, he just looks terrible. And, you know, Wilson didn't play a lot last year because he was hurt. And there's always been questions. You know, quarterbacks, in my mind, the the age that you always want to look at with a quarterback is about 35. Uh, 35 to me is the year that you expect your quarterbacks to kind of begin to fizzle out. Um, you know, and everyone always points to those exceptions. You know, the Tom Brady's of the world, the Brett Favre's of the world, even, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Everybody wants to point to those things. But, you know, I always look at the age of 35 and say, you know, that, that, that's kind of the danger zone. And, you know, bodies start to break down, the arm's not as lively, and, you know, things just, they don't work as well. And you throw into the fact that Wilson was probably a little bit more of a mobile-style quarterback, and you kind of wonder, you know, was the age even less there? And really the breakdown with him if you go back to last year, he played, uh, what was it, 14 games? Uh, let me pull it up. Yeah, so last year he missed the three games. He played 14 games. They go 6-8 and eight in Seattle. Um, 3,000 yards. His yards per game dropped from 263 to 224. Um you know, I, in my mind, that that's probably a bit of a warning sign. Um, you know, and this year, what you've seen is a completion percentage go way down. Now, they've had receivers in and out of the lineup uh, just because of injuries and stuff like that. But I always feel that the quarterback really should be able to make up for those deficiencies. 
And I know that's not always the case, but if you have a quarterback who's making almost $50 million a year, you should not be heavily reliant on having, you know, Tim Patrick out there or Cortland Sutton out there or, uh, you know, your offensive line has to be completely intact. You should still be able to give some type of passable performance. And I, I don't think he's giving that right now for them. And I think if you're a Broncos fan, you have to be petrified of that contract. It's a contract that made no sense. Now, I'm not saying the overall price by the time they did it. The timing on the deal just never made any sense. It's like you trade for the guy. Okay, if you're going to trade for him, do the extension. Then if you are dead set on doing an extension, you do the extension then. Why? Well, you know Kyler Murray's looking for a new deal. You know that there's other players who might be getting another contract. So just get in then. You know, don't don't let the market potentially drive up if you're doing a, a deal under any circumstance. When they didn't do the deal when they first traded for him, my thought is, okay, good. They're going to do the the Rams deal with Matt Stafford. You let him play a year, even though you gave up a lot to get him. You're going to let him play a year, see how things work out, and then you're going to go from there. Now, are do the Rams have some regrets right now on that extension? They probably do, but that extension's like forty million bucks a year. But in this case, because the Broncos waited, not only did they not see him perform in their offense and with with their team but everything drove up and you know you you had Watson at 46 now that those those things probably happened kind of concurrently but you know you had Murray get to 46 uh yeah the Rodgers deal and again that that's all kind of going on at the same time and then you got Wilson at 49 and it's like you know Stafford was at 40 off a Super Bowl Carr is at 40.5 off of just being around for a while. I, I don't know if you're the Broncos, how you don't get a deal done in that range. And even that would hurt. But I mean, you're at 50 million bucks, 165 for injury, 124 full, 73 million in first year cash. That's first year new money. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a massive investment, and the timing just it made no sense. And the worry that I always have with guys that switch teams, uh, in almost all cases, and I remember, you know, as the Jets fan going back to when the Jets traded for Brett Favre uh, back in two thousand and eight, and this was in the days where I used to, you know post on the message boards, the Jets message boards and that kind of stuff. And obviously everybody was incredibly excited at the prospect of trading for Brett Favre. And I didn't really have too much of a worry that Brett Favre wasn't going to be a decent football player. And he was pretty good um, before he got injured at the end of the year or whatever happened. Who knows? But the, the thing that I mentioned back then was that when you're bringing in kind of one of these older legendary quarterbacks, those guys come from a place where they're kind of treated like royalty. 
and they're treated differently in some cases than anybody else. And that probably isn't going to carry over to a new organization. Yes, you're still Brett Favre. Yes, you're still Tom Brady. Um, yes, you're still Peyton Manning. Yes, you're still Russell Wilson. But the stuff that people sometimes put up with in other organizations where it's just like, okay, this is the guy whose face is basically on the stadium. Like, I can roll my eyes, but I better roll my eyes in private, not in public. When you go to a new team, you don't have any of that to fall back on. So those things that you do that are kind of different, you know, the the attention that you expect, um, you know, all those kind of things, you get the rolling of the eyes at that point in public when things don't go well. And, you know, in this game, you've got a defender screaming at him on the sideline. Who knows what that was about? And then you got the ridiculous nonsense. Sounds like something out of that terrible draft day movie. Hey, half the team did show up to Russell Wilson's birthday party or whatever it was. It's like, what? What, what are we talking about here? They showed up to his birthday party. They're wearing little birthday hats sitting around a table. No, they're going to a party. Doesn't matter that it was Russell Wilson's party. It's, I'm sure, a big giant party. You're going to have a good time. It's like that. That's what we're talking about. It's gotten that bad. And you know the the stuff that he did is did, did all the quirks that are there that you heard about when he got traded out of Seattle. People started saying, well, this is a smear campaign by the Seahawks, which it was. You know, there there was obviously some of that, but that was years of wanting to speak out probably about the stuff they didn't like about him, and they couldn't do it. Players couldn't do it. Front office couldn't do it. Whatever. You know, he's the guy that won a Super Bowl there. He's the guy that's faced the franchise, and he's the guy, really, that has gotten a lot of credit and... You know, I think people looking back and saying, you know, maybe the Seahawks are right all the time when we were saying let Russ cook. I don't know if that's really the case. You know, there's a big difference when you're talking about a quarterback who's 29 or 30 years old and you're saying they should let him pass the ball more versus the version of Russell Wilson we're seeing right now. The version of Russell Wilson we're seeing right now is nothing like what we saw two, three years ago. I get that Pete Carroll's a good coach, but he's not making the the arm magical. You know, he's not sprinkling the magic dust on him or anything like that. So, you know, they, they, he's declined as a player, and I think Seattle saw that already, and I think they just didn't want to deal with it anymore, which is probably what led to the trade in the first place. But when you lose that safety net, that safety blanket, the stupid stuff that you do is going to get magnified. Remember in the offseason, there was that nonsensical article about how everyone on the team was in awe, and I can guarantee you they're all laughing about it now, of the mental reps that he takes. Now, I get the concept of mental reps and all that stuff, but they were amazed because no one had ever seen anything like this before, that he is playing the play out basically in practice in his mind while running around in the field like 
I, I don't I can only imagine what this must have looked like. This must have looked like a guy taking a snap, being like, Here comes pressure's coming from the left. I'm running right. I got my receiver down the field. Now I'm stepping up. Now I'm throwing the ball. It's like the, it was just insane. It it sounded like absolute insanity. It's the kind of funny stuff that comes out of training camp, but it sounded like absolute insanity. At that point in time, he was still ah, Russell Wilson legend. And then it just gets worse and worse. You got a guy on the sidelines like yelling out like he's a fan. Run! Run left! It's a pass play. Those plays are so fast. Do you think those defenders are really hearing him, you know, make these calls and like, oh man, Russ is telling me it's a run. I better go and stop that run. In the meantime, by the time I'm hearing Russell Wilson tell me it's a run, the run is seven yards past me. The goofy stuff he does on social media, all those things, it all works against him now because he's a terrible football player at this point. And I, I think when you factor in the age, you factor in the fact that the, the team was willing to get rid of him when they hadn't even hit rock bottom and they were willing to move on. You know, I'd be very worried if I was a Denver Bronco fan because you are locked into this guy for a while. So, you know, right now they have to account for $107 million in dead money. Okay? From 2023 on, they still have $107 million in dead money that they have to account for. He has... um, $67 million in unpaid guaranteed salary. So if you had to cut him next year, you would have to write him a check for $67 million and take a dead hit of $107 million. That's insane. So you can't do that. So you, you would have to figure out ways that you could June 1 him. Um, one of the ways that, you know, you can do that would be to pick up his option and then June want him. I think you can do that. Um, you know, I, it, it, the option is a weird thing. Options are considered renegotiations in some cases and in others, they kind of aren't. They, they have rules about when you can and can't use the post June one designation, the, the designation I'm talking about is the one where you release the guy in March uh, versus, you know, releasing him in actually in June. But if you redo the contract, what they don't want you to do is have the ability to redo the contract in February just for the purpose of using a June 1 designation. They, they don't want you to be able to do that. Um so, you know, I, I think that's something they can do. But, you know, if, if you just cut him with a June 1, uh, you could split that 107 as 77 million and 30 million, 30 million going to 2024. Um, other way to do it is to kind of prepay part of that 2023 salary. You'd have to do that like now. You know, you, you can get that down maybe to about 60 million this year and 46, 47 million the following year. Um, you know, I, I just don't see any way that this stuff possibly works. Um, you know, that 
the best that I could come up with was, you know, basically uh, you pick up the option, you take his option from 2024, you pay it in 2022, you'd essentially be taking a 2023 dead hit of about 40, and then you'd defer 67 um, to 2024. Uh, so you'd take 40 in 2023. Um, you'd defer 67 to 2024. And 2024 is the year when probably the cap is going to explode because of the new TV contracts coming in. But still, I mean, that's a lot. Could you imagine paying $67 million to a player to go away? So I, I just can't see a way that he's not back next season. Um, the, real, the real point in time where you have to make a decision on Russell Wilson's future is going to be 2024. The reason for that is in 2024, if he's on the roster, uh, I think it's the fifth day of the league year, his 2025 salary becomes guaranteed. So you would get locked in on another $37 million in 2025. So basically 2023 is an audition for him. And it's probably a half a year audition. You know, it's a, if he doesn't look good halfway through the season, well, that 2025 salary is guaranteed for injury. There's a portion of his 26 uh, salary that's also guaranteed for injury. But if he were to get hurt in like week 16, week 17, that would probably give him enough leeway to where they couldn't cut him to avoid those injury guarantees. And then what happens is they would vest and become fully guaranteed. So basically, I think he has about eight weeks in 2023 to prove he can still play football. Because if he doesn't, if he can't do that, then basically what you're going to do is in 2024, you're going to turn around and cut him before that 2025 salary becomes guaranteed. Now, you're still going to have to pay him $39 million to go away at that point. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, you know... You're still looking at $85 million in dead money, so it's still a ridiculous amount of dead money. So you're just trying to figure out ways to split this. And I think, again, what you can do is have that option come due or prepay it or whatever it is so you can use that June 1. You can take a dead hit in 2024 of $35.4 million, and then you take a dead hit in 2025 of $49.6 and you would have him next year at, uh, let me look up what his cap number is. His cap number next year is manageable. It's probably in the 20s, I would guess. Let's see. Wilson's cap next year would be 22. So I would say your most likely scenario is you've got 22 in cap on him next year. You're going to June 1 him in 2024 at which point you're looking at a a cap hit of 35.4 million it's the same as if he was on the roster and you're going to defer 49.6 million to 2025 but by doing it that way even though his cap number remains unchanged you're getting out of this 37 million dollars in 2025 that would be guaranteed and you're taking his cap figure uh, which that year would be $55.4 million if he's on the roster, and you're reducing it to 49.6 by using that June 1 in 2024. Not an ideal scenario, obviously, 
but that's probably what's going to happen. Now, if he revitalizes the career, different story. You know, then you're not worried about 2024. You're not worried about that 2025 money um, getting guaranteed. But, you know, he's going to have to prove that next season. So I think if you're Denver and I know you just gave up all these draft picks for him and whatnot. But I think you have to go into this and you have to look around the league and say, okay, who are some young quarterbacks that we can bring in to throw in a competition with him or at least have a cleaner option, um, you know, to go to if Wilson still isn't playing well next year? Because we we can't chance him getting hurt, you know. Once we once we take a look at him, and we we realize that twenty twenty two was not a fluke. We have to to protect our long term interests and make sure that that thirty seven million dollars in twenty twenty five and four million dollars in twenty twenty six does not become guaranteed because he got hurt in a meaningless game in week fifteen. So you want to have a viable player there that, you know, if it's really bad and in the preseason it just looks awful, you know, you just turn to the other guy. Uh, but otherwise, at least it's something that maybe you can look forward to um, if you do have to bench him, say, eight games in. So I, I think you'd be looking around, you know, free agency is never good, but maybe Baker Mayfield, you know, you, you could take a flyer, I guess, there. Um, that certainly won't cost you a lot of money based on how poorly things went for him in Carolina. Yeah, I think he can make a play to try to trade for Zach Wilson. Uh, try to trade for Trey Lance. Both are probably long shots, but, you know, they're at least younger options of, you know, players that have some potential. I would guess you'd be looking at second-round picks for both of those players. Um... You know, I, I think if we look back, you know, Darnold went for two twos with um, really one cheap year left on his contract. But Darnold got the benefit of the doubt based on playing with, you know, an inept Jets coach and an inept general manager. Um yeah, you know, and, and maybe it's not fair to, to to call everyone inept, but the the roster itself was not very good, and that that blame is going to go on the GM. So I, I wouldn't say you know inept is probably a strong choice of words there, but I, I think they looked at him as a victim of circumstance. Um. So I, I I don't know if you get the benefit of the doubt for Wilson that same way if you're the Jets. Because I, I think you look at Wilson and you're going to say, well, he did have decent talent around him. And he got a year and a half and he isn't any good. Uh, but I, I still think the, the, the pull on that is a second rounder. Um, you know, Josh Rosen had three years and I think he went for a second. And Rosen as a rookie was atrocious. And, you know, I, I would say that Lance probably falls in that same category. I, I think... San Francisco is probably going to chalk up the Lance thing as a mistake, and I don't think they're going to try to force it. 
I have a feeling that they're going to try to do whatever they can to bring Garoppolo back next year and um, see what they can get back for Lance just to recover a little bit of the draft capital that they gave up to trade up for him. Um, I have a feeling that will wind up being the uh, the thing that they do. But I, I I think that's the that's the path forward at this point for Denver. I think you you just you have to take a flyer on one of these younger guys and see what they can do. And at the same time, you keep your fingers crossed that Wilson can find a way to bounce back. Uh, this way, you can deal with the salary cap fallout. You know, a couple of years from now, rather than really having to to worry about it. You you owe him all the money anyway, so you may as well have him on the roster, right? There, there's really nothing lost if you you keep him on the roster next year, um, as long as you're just smart with trying to protect the injury guarantee aspect of the contract. Um, you know, and obviously, if the the team is that bad with Wilson, and the team winds up being that bad with another quarterback that they bring in, that's going to put you in a position at that point maybe to draft somebody. Uh, because they don't have a first rounder in 2023, but they will have one again in 2024, I believe. So uh, I think that they probably don't even have a second rounder next year. That might make it harder to trade for uh, some of those guys that I mentioned. I, I, I'm sure you could still get a deal done to bring guys like that in. But yeah, overall, it, it's a pretty bleak scenario. And I know I have some other questions on it. I, I guess I'll, I'll go over them when I do the Q&A stuff um, just to see if there's anything in them that I kind of missed here. Um, I didn't really read them over, so I don't even know how specific they are. I just saw there was a couple Russell Wilsons in the uh, email. Um, so I'll touch on those um, after the fact. Uh, the other thing was I, I did an article this week on OTC, and I think um, I put a little poll up that I, w- I would do another one of these, and I think Edge was the one. I'll Let me retweet that right now, see if we can get a couple more votes. Though late on a Friday, probably not. Um, but basically I was looking at wide receivers and just looking at players who maybe could be cut. And really what I did here was I just looked at the salary cap savings, and th- there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Because what I used to do, um, it just got too confusing for people. I used to actually have in our charts a, a um, wasn't really a ratio. It was just a, a look at the the total overall savings. And total overall savings was really looking at a magnitude of savings that was, okay, we're saving this much cap space this year, but overall we're saving really more because if he doesn't have a guaranteed salary this year, we're also saving, you know, his paragraph five, even though that that's kind of counteracted by, you know, maybe the huge amount of acceleration. So there's different ways to do it. This is just purely on salary cap savings, but you can look at it if you want to um, as cap and cash savings. And, you know, in some of those cases, you know, I, I have, if you, if you go to OTC and you, you just check out the article, uh, I have a saved if traded column that probably gives a little bit uh, more of a representation as to what the savings would be, even even just cutting the player. And if you're looking at it from a very long term perspective, but I'm looking at it more at the short term and most general managers are managing for the short term. 
So anyway, what I did was I, I just looked at what every receiver has a cap hit next year of at least $5 million. Um, how many receiving yards they they had on the season. And based on the amount of games that their team has played, I then prorated that total out to 17 games. So for players who were hurt, it probably inflated their numbers a little bit like a Michael Thomas, right? He's not going to play again this year. Cooper Cup, not going to play again probably this year. Um, and everything would be based on, you know, their stats being on a per-game basis and saying like, okay, you know what? The Saints have played 12 games. We expect Michael Thomas to get another 100 yards or something like that in the next couple of games. And obviously that's not going to happen. But, you know, I, I thought it was just kind of interesting to to get a quick look. You know, some of the names are not a surprise, right? Kenny Galladay. I mean, this is just awful. Uh, so Kenny Holiday is on, he's on pace for, uh, about 80 yards this season. He has a cap hit next year, 21-4. So if he put up the same production, that'd be about $270,000 per yard. Um, you know, just to put that in perspective, uh, Jalen Waddle, who's on a rookie contract is about $5,000 per yard. AJ Brown, um, you know, now his number's low because of the, the way they have the bonuses structured in there. You know, that would work out to like 6,500. And here you're talking about a guy that's at like 275. The next worst player is at 117,000 uh, per yard, and that's uh, Michael Thomas. So, you know, Galladay is just, he's he's gone. That That's that's very clear. But I, I think the other names here, um, you know, that kind of stand out, you know, that... Okay, so th- there's a couple, uh, before I get to the standout ones, I think there's a couple that are givens. You know, Cedric Wilson, awful signing. Uh, Michael Thomas, now we've been over that. They're going to have to adjust this contract this year to be able to June 1 him. Uh, Russell Gage has been terrible. Um, Kendrick Bourne, yeah, Jamal Agnew. Um, but I, I think the interesting names here, uh, you know, Braxton Berrios, that, that was a... I don't really get why the Jets went where they did. He's a special teams guy. Um, But the names that were interesting to me here were Hunter Renfro, Keenan Allen, Corey Davis, to a lesser extent, Curtis Samuel, Devontae Parker. I think you look at those players and you do have big question marks that kind of come up for all of them. Uh, Renfro was probably overpaid when they signed him and he's been hurt and he was really ineffective before he got hurt. Like he was not, it, not that that offense was clicking at all, but it just looked off. They can get out of some money if they want to cut him next year. Um, not a ton, you know, his cap savings would be. You know, only 1.7, but here, you know, you're getting into those scenarios where you're avoiding, you know, some guaranteed salary, especially if you can trade them. Um, You know, so that's an interesting one. Keenan Allen is a very interesting one. This is a player who is getting older, um, hasn't had a great year. You know, he's been hurt a lot. Now, he's been healthy his entire career, so it's not like you look at this and go, okay, this is a problem, but... You factor in the age, see what's going on with Allen Robinson. You know, he's someone who's just simply protected by contract. 
Um, you know, the, this is not the production that you want from a receiver who's going to have a cap hit next year, 21.7 million. They save 14.8 uh, if they were to release him. He's, you know, the, the, their cap position is going to be a little tighter next year. So I think he's a real interesting one. Because you start to have to ask yourself, where are the resources best invested? Is it, you know, having $14 million that we can use to better our defense? $14 million that maybe we can utilize if we were to trade? There's not a lot of wide receivers available next year, so it would be a trade. You know, if we can trade for a younger and a better wide receiver? Um, you know, these are questions that I, I think the the Chargers are going to have to ask themselves. And I, I think that's an interesting one. Now, a lot probably depends on what he does down the stretch here. You know, if they if they make a push for the playoffs, he plays incredibly well. I would imagine that, you know, he'll keep his spot. But I, I think you, you have to, you know, consider the possibility of moving on. Um, Corey Davis, another one. You know, he, he's been banged up a lot on the Jets. He missed a couple games, more than a couple games last year. Uh, he'll be back this week, but he, he's missed games. And Jets have a tight cap situation next year. They might be in a position where they have to go out and get a quarterback. So I, I think Davis is probably going to be borderline. And you're going to wonder about uh, keeping him. Devontae Parker, um, you know, they, they would save a little bit there. Curtis Samuel save a little bit there if they were to move on. You know, these are guys that are probably underperforming for their salaries, but not so grossly underperforming that you would just say, all right, you know, they're out. Um, uh, the other guys that seem like clear cuts would be Robbie Anderson. I mean, he's done nothing in Arizona. He's got a $12 million cap hit, I think, next year. So he'd be he'd be toast, um, you know. Allen Robinson, he's basically saved by his contract. Yeah, if you're the Rams, I think you're just looking to eat that salary and you just move on, or you try to find, you know, a trade partner. I I, I don't see the benefit of really bringing him back, even though you know, like with Russell Wilson, I said, well, you know, it's kind of the same either way. I don't know. I I don't know if there's a purpose to keeping Robinson on the roster. Um, you know, everything has gone wrong for the Rams this year, and that one has clearly been a, a mess. Uh, the other two players who I think are interesting, um, three players, I'll throw them in there. So you got Valdez Scantling, who I think if you, you're a Chiefs fan, you probably look at him and say, he's kind of disappointing. But I think when you look at what he's being paid, it's not great, but it's not so bad that it's a guarantee, I think, that you get rid of him. You know, now if uh, if Tony were to come alive and, you know, just put up huge numbers or one of the younger guys, you know, more or something like that, somehow started to, uh, to kind of go off, um, yeah... You know, may, maybe there is a, uh, maybe there's a reason to move on. But until that happens, you know, Tony can't stay healthy. I, I I think there's a chance he might come back next year. And my first thought was no, but I think there's a possibility. 
the two veteran players are going to be that are going to be looked at are going to be Thielen and Hopkins. Uh, they're both productive um, enough to probably justify you know maybe where they're at. But you look at the Vikings have some cap issues this year. Uh, people love to bring up my tweets. Speaking of the Vikings, uh, where I kind of say, you know, I don't really know what they're building. Um, you know, they're they're building into a seven, eight, nine win season, and yeah, you know, everyone's like, ah, see, see, see. I don't think the Vikings are that good of a football team. Even still, like watching them, they've won some games. That's a testament, I think, to the coaching. And, you know, those first-year coaches, if there is a year where a lot of times you just kind of stun people, it's always in the first season. And I, I think that that's kind of been one of the things that's gone on with the Vikings. But I don't look at the Vikings as like a really good football team. You know, I look at the Vikings still as a team that probably is a 500-ish type of football team that has gotten everything to just about everything to go their way this year. And, you know, maybe this'll, this'll be a season, you know, based on the the craziness of this year and the the two teams are playing each other based on some of the crazy endings for some of these teams, you would almost say like the stars are aligned to the, for there to somehow be a Vikings jet Super Bowl, Like that, that's how the crazy finishes have gone for those two teams in a couple of games. But neither of those teams are probably as good as their. Yeah, I, I would say. Sorry, I just had a little bit of a microphone glitch there. Um, just got it reconnected, so I, I think it'll pick up here. Um, no, but neither of those teams are that good. You know, but I, I think they're going to have to decide. You know, given Thielen's age and his cap hit, you know, even if he's, you know, meeting maybe what would be a minimum threshold that you would expect for, you know, what whatever you would actually save by releasing him, um, which would be, let me see what his cap number is next year. So Thielen's cap hit next year, yeah, it, it's almost $20 million. Um, you would save, let's see what you save. Let me look up Thielen here. You know, you would save 6.5 if you released him. You take on 13.5 in dead money, but you would avoid paying him um, 11.9 million. Uh, that salary does not become guaranteed um, until third day of the league year. So you, you do have some leeway in there um, with what you could do. I, I might have some. I might have a wrong notation on here. I, I got to go back and look at this one. You know what? I That number is... I, I don't think that amount becomes guaranteed, actually. I think he... Uh, I think it's $6 million that becomes fully guaranteed. I think $5 million is just injury only. So, I mean, maybe there's some wiggle room to bring his salary down next year and you keep him on the roster that way. Uh, so that, that might be a possibility as well. You know, the other one is DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has a salary cap charge of $30.75 million. Uh, he's going to be 30 next year or 31 years old. Dead money is 22.6. The Cardinals are a disaster. Um, 
coming back with a old receiver, even one who is effective, I don't think this is the way for them. Um, you know, Hopkins was not great last year. He uh, played in 10 games, 572 yards in 10 games. Uh, let me just see what he was at yards per game, 58. So, I mean, you, you look at his numbers historically, you know, the, the last couple of years. Uh, we'll look at starting at 2017, you know, 92 yards a game, 98, 77, 88. Last year he drops to 57. Now he's back up to 96 this year. I would look at this as, you know, now he missed a bunch of games because he was suspended. I think it was six-game suspension. But if it was me, I think I would look at this as an opportunity. If I'm Arizona, I would say, okay, maybe we can get some draft capital back for him. Now, they they did the silly nonsense where they gave him the no-trade clause, so you'd have to go to him and say, look, do you, I think you'd really want to play for a contender. And we're not that right now. So I think you can probably talk him into waiving the no-trade clause or, you know, giving a limited um, trade clause. And I don't understand why teams do a no-trade to me, it makes no sense at all. At least do something where, you know, player can give you a list at the, every season of like five teams they're willing to be traded to. Um, but I think that makes the most sense for them because I, I don't know. I I don't know if those numbers are going to stay up next year for him. And just given the way the team is and the way the team has been, I don't want to opt into it. I, I need to really start over. I, I need to get off of this path of building an old team and, you know, having no long-term vision and starting to build something. You know, I've got this expensive quarterback now. I got to build something around him. And I have no infrastructure in place. And I've got these old players that I'm constantly bringing back. And it's like you need to make changes. And in my mind, that's one that maybe you can get some value for if you can convince him that he wants to be traded. But even if he doesn't, you know, I, I that cap number is giant. You know... Can you really have a player with a wide receiver with a $31 million salary cap charge next year? You know, there's only one player with a higher cap charge, and that's Tyreek Hill, 31-2. Michael Thomas, 28-3. Cooper Cup, 27-8. Brandon Cooks, 26-6. DJ Moore, 25 You know, at least with some of these younger guys, it's like, okay, well, you know, you can bring their cap numbers down. I, I don't want to restructure and just push more dead money off on Hopkins. So I, I think he's a real interesting guy to look at next year. And free agency kind of sucks for wide receivers next year. So seeing these guys get cut, you know, maybe that makes free agency a little bit more exciting. So speaking of excitement... How about Mike White last week? Right? Great White Hope, right? The uh, leading the Jets to a Super Bowl this year. I'm kidding. But, you know, it, it was fun to watch a 
offense being run kind of competently uh, for the first time in some time. You know, White, you know, he's younger, so he's more energetic than Flacco. So you, you get a little bit more um, out of it than that. And it's just totally different than Wilson, who is just inept at this point. That, that him, I can use the word inept for. Uh, <laughs> Mike White at least bought himself another game and a half. Uh, probably two games. Who knows how things will go this week. Last year, you know, he, he looked good at times. Then he had the implosion against Buffalo. And since you had Wilson there, you know, you, you weren't going to... He wasn't going to have a very long leash. Let's put it that way. Well, once the uh, once the Cinderella story was over last year, it was like that's that was going to be it for him. And, you know, this year... He's going to get a little bit more leeway because I think the Jets are pretty much out on Wilson. Uh, no matter what they want to say, I think they are leaning out on him at this point. Uh, so yeah, that that was a uh, that was a fun showing from them, and just watching him run that offense and you know you you saw it with the player reactions uh, after the game specifically where. You know they 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 started you know the the free Eli chance or whatever it was for Elijah Moore and um, you know and he he had a good game and uh, obviously Garrett Wilson had a you know really good game um, this past week. A lot of the guys got involved. You saw White go through multiple um, reads on a lot of the passes, and you know for one week it was a really good showing. So we'll we'll see where it goes from there, but. Uh, yeah, I, I still lean towards the Zach Wilson's days are pretty much numbered in New York. Um, you know, you've got six games right now left in the season, and White's clearly going to get this start. He Wilson's been demoted to the scout team. Um, you know, but White's going to get this start. If things go bad, I'm sure he gets a half in the next game. Um, so, you know, you'd be looking at the most. And th- this is if Wilson was to be active next week, and I don't even think he would be. But if he was, I mean, four and a half games to salvage your career. So, you know, I, I think his uh, his run is probably just about done. All right, let's get on to uh, questions here. I'll start with the email questions. Um, all right, let's see what I have here. Okay, this is from Michael. Uh, can George Tratton, uh, George Chatton, can George Patton try to restructure the contract if Wilson agreed to it in the offseason? If he can, uh, it will show Wilson is a team player. And if Wilson does not, I think the Broncos should make it public. Either way, the divorce will be ugly. Um, well, I mean, they can restructure it in terms of bringing his cap number down. Um, let me let me even see if it's worthwhile. You know, like I said, his cap number is actually pretty low next year. Um, maybe you can make it a little bit lower. Let me see. I would think it's more likely they end up making that cap number higher by prepaying some of that 2024 bonus just to give them more options with, um, you know, looking to cut them, uh, in 2024, since that salary is already guaranteed and my computer... Wants to lock up. Let's see. Yeah, so he has a $8 million salary next year. So, I mean, they could bring that down a little bit in that type of restructure. 
But in terms of him giving up money, no chance. You know, you, you went through all this to, to get yourself your $124 million guaranteed at signing. You're not going to go in there and give it up just for the hell of it. You know, if you want to say that there is maybe a very, 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 very tiny scenario where he gives up that 2025 injury guarantee, um, basically to to prevent himself from getting benched in the you know midway through next year, or at least make it less likely that something like that happens, maybe, maybe, but I would say more more likely. Um, you know, they're not going to touch the deal. And I don't think that they would, even if that happened, I don't think they would leak that because, you know, anything that they do that's negative on Wilson just reflects poorly on the front office, reflects poorly on the GM, reflects poorly on the head coach. They're the ones who made the decision to trade for him and they're the ones that made this decision sight unseen to give him a $50 million a year contract. So going then and then trying to cry poor and being like, yeah, you know, Wilson's not taking one for the team. It's like, it, that's just going to make you look even worse. Because now you're going to say you got a bad player and the contract you gave him is preventing you from fielding a competitive team. So I, I, I don't think that they would even leak anything like that. I think they have to just deal with it. This is from Yavin, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Jason has always loved the podcast. Uh, thank you. What in the world are the Broncos going to do about Russell Wilson? True, they're pretty much stuck in, with him until 2026, like I hear other people say. Uh, if you were the GM, what would you do? So... Uh, they're not stuck with him until 2026. It's going to hurt. You know, like I mentioned before, you're stuck with him in 2023. After that, you you can move on. You're going to have to cut him a big check. And you know, if, if the team is underperforming, it might get the GM fired and the coach fired. But you can you can move on from him in 2024 and start over. It's going to be painful. But you you can you can manipulate those cap numbers to split this huge amount of dead money that you've got between 2024 and 2025. And my assumption is the cap is going to go up so much that even though those numbers right now look eye popping, they might not have that level of impact um, you know, on the team overall. You know, unless they plan on getting into bidding war, but let, let's be honest: if you're cutting Wilson, you're probably starting over anyway. So it's not like in year one you were probably going to go out and be a big free agent spender anyway. You know, you're, you're kind of redoing everything. Um, you know, if I'm the general manager, I would kind of do what I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, I would go in there and I would give him eight games next year to prove whether or not he can be an effective NFL quarterback, and if he can't. You know, I'm I'm gonna turn to somebody else on the team, and I'm gonna make sure I, I protect myself from his salary being guaranteed in 2025. Um, 
Let's see. Mitch. Um, I don't even know if this is for the podcast or not. Uh, let's see. Uh, although a very expensive option for team ownership, is there any way that the Broncos can negotiate a buyout of Wilson's contract? Um, then be free and clear to begin a rebuild. Um, no, no. The the um, the way the salary cap stuff works in the NFL, I'll, I'll try to write an email back tomorrow if I get a chance as well. Um, the way the salary cap stuff works in the NFL that you, you really can't negotiate. I mean, there's teams that do negotiate settlements, but given that he has all this salary that's already guaranteed, you're not going to be able to negotiate really any kind of significant relief of that money. Um, number one, number two, there's still no way to avoid the salary cap charges from it. You're still going to get hit with those cap charges. Um, you know, when I wrote that article, one of the things I didn't bring up, and I know some people mentioned it, and maybe, maybe I'll even have a question on Twitter about it. Well, what if he retires? Why in the world would he retire? He's got a hundred and twenty-five million dollars or whatever it is coming to him. One hundred and seven dead, sixty-seven million more guaranteed. Why? Why would you retire? You know, it's a different situation than Rogers, who's had multiple contracts and is like forty years old. And even with Rogers, I I would think that he probably wouldn't retire. But I'm just gonna say that there's at least a possibility with him. I, I don't see Wilson just being like, okay, I'm done. Um, so that that that's why I didn't bring that scenario up because in that case, he would forfeit all the guarantees. But basically in the NFL, there's no negotiating a buyout when you got these guarantees. It's just manipulating the contract to still pay him all those guarantees and just trying to find a way to deal with it on the cap over a two-year period. But, you know, the, the way that the, the NFL rules work, there's really no way to ever just be free and clear of a player. It's just finding the best way to handle that hit over a two-year window. Okay, let's see. Tom, uh, this at Rams beat. Uh, what's the best measure of a player's compensation in a given year? APY uh, or AAV? Includes void years, so it can be misleading. Stafford's extended contract is an example. 183 over 5 equals 36.6. Only 120 is guaranteed over 3. So we can disregard 25 and 26. Add his 34 million, um, 22 and 24 uh, to get 51.3 million. So there's a lot of different ways. And this is one of the difficulties with NFL contracts. And I, I talk about this all the time. Like... We always present everything, and so does everybody else, on like an annual basis as to what the player earns. Um, realistically, I think if you're viewing this from a team perspective, and quite frankly, most fans are going to view this from a team perspective. I say this as a fan. Um, you know, you're not really looking at it from the other side you're looking at as a as a team perspective probably the right way to look at the value of it um is probably the effective value meaning the not the new money 
it'd be the full length, um, you know, full amount of cost in it. And actually would probably include um, any kind of existing prorated money in there. You know, say you'd probably be looking at, um, you know, old money that's prorated that's already in the contract as well. Uh, let me pull up Stafford here and let, let me see if I can use that as an example. Though he probably didn't have any old prorations in there since they traded for him. Uh, let me make sure he did not. Yeah, they didn't restructure that deal. Um, so, you know, I, I think when you look at Stafford, you know, this year he's going to make 61.5. Next year is 27.5. 31. 32. Uh, let me just see if I'm missing anything. Does he have a void in there? No. Whoops. And 31 again. All right. So, you know, his effective compensation is going to be... Let's see. 183 over 5. You know, 36.6. Is that the number that you mentioned? Let me go back to the original thing. Yeah, 36.6. So, I mean, from a team perspective, they're probably looking at this as a 36.6 um, deal. I would say when, when you do a deal of this magnitude your expectation as a team is you probably devalue the fifth year as a zero, um, you know, and you probably look at the rest of the contract as being what you would expect. So my guess is the Rams probably go in there and they want to value this player at 38 a year. So that would be my assumption. So I think it varies position by position and you can look at, you know, guaranteed numbers. Um, you can look at what you would consider out years in a contract. I think when you're looking at a, a quarterback and you're looking at this contract and you look at the breakdown and the structure, I think you can throw out the last year. But I think you're looking as a team at trying to get four years out of the deal. And I, I think you can either value this as a four-year deal at 38 a year Um or you can value it as a three-year deal at 40 a year. Um, you know, th those are the two things. But I, there's not really a hard and fast way that I would say you have to do it um, or that you can do it. But yeah, the annual values, especially when you're talking about players who have been extended, I think can be very misleading. And I use them all the time. reason I use them, they're easy. Um, you don't have to make adjustments. You don't have to do anything. It's just... I'll go with the new money and kind of go from there. But I think the, the the right way to probably value a contract overall, again, when we're looking at this from a overall total value perspective, um, you know, and how the, how they can work within their cap and everything else, I think what you're doing is you're summing the new money in the contract, whatever's listed there, Add back into it the old money and the old years. Add back into it any existing proration 
you know, basically, basically what's going to be, this is what our cap charges are that we're going to have to deal with over the next three, four, five, six years. Um, and for every contract that's a multi-year deal, I'd probably slice a year off. You know, if it's a three-year deal, I'd probably value it as a two. If it's a four, I'd value it as a three. If it's a five, I'd value it as a four. Um, you know, the three to the two might be a little iffy. I, I, you'd probably have to look a little bit, but I would say a lot of times that third year has probably got a lot of phony baloney money in it. You know, every now and then we, I'll, I'll do some posts where I look at the effective remaining value of every player on a team where we'll, we'll look, and again, this is from a salary cap perspective, but we'll look at the, the years remaining and, um, you know, what the total cap charges are to, to kind of give you an idea as to what the effective value moving forward of the, every team's roster is. Um, you know, I, I think that's an interesting way to do it as well, but I think probably if you really, really wanted to look at it from how the team views all these players that they have, I I think that's probably the formula that I would use. I, I would say add up all the money in a contract plus any old existing prorations, take off the last season of the contract and um, you know divide by however many total years that would be. And that's probably how the team is really viewing the deal versus how we might be presenting the contract with just a, you know, um, annual per year, average annual value number. All right, let's take a look here on Twitter. A couple of questions this week, not as many as last week. So that's a good thing. All right. Okay, Jason Sark has a question here. Uh, a couple questions. Uh, what could the Jets get for trading away Zach Wilson and eating the dead cap? Any chance it happens? Yeah, I would think there's a high probability. I think you can still get a second round pick for him. Um, you know, he, he's obviously a bust, but like I said, Josh Rosen was a bust. We're only talking about a couple extra games and one less season. Maybe that one less season turns it into a three, but I would think you get a two for him. Um... I think teams are going to be wowed by that arm, even though nothing else is functional at this point. Uh, but you're going to look at some of the things that he can do when he passes the ball, and you're going to say that if they can if they can find a way to harness that, that you know they have the quote unquote next Patrick Mahomes on their hands. Um, so I, I think that uh, they can still get that um, if they keep Zach. Isn't that awkward? Uh, presumably won't he be the number three. So I, I don't think it'll be awkward. You know, guys get benched all the time at that position. I don't think he would drop to number three next year. I think he'd be the number two. I I think it would either be a slight chance of a competition scenario. I would just say more likely he's just a backup and they would sign somebody else. Uh, if James Robinson's knee is still bothering him, uh, then isn't the med Jets medical staff bad? I think a lot of people have questions about Jets medical staff and whatever they've done. I have a feeling the Jets are just over-aggressive with that trade. Um, I don't know why they just didn't want to see Knight play. The Jets went into panic mode when Hall went down. Don't understand why. Running backs are running backs. Don't panic. Um, 
you know, they traded for Robinson very quickly. I think Saul uh, realized why Jacksonville wasn't really playing him. And the Jets are not playing him now either. So, you know, I, I they probably did a bad job with that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's you know, not going to cost them a lot. And I guess if they, they don't play him, you know, I guess that prevents them from losing a little bit of a higher pick. But... Yeah, I, th- I think they just rushed into a trade for no reason. Andy, how down are you on Russell Wilson? Well, as you can hear from before, pretty down. If you ran the Jets, would you consider a Wilson swap if you're getting picks back? Or are there any other teams you think that makes sense for? Oh, God, no. There is no team in the league that would trade for Russell Wilson right now. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I could see some teams being willing to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers still has looks like some life in him every now and then. Um, again, you, you deal with all the all the side stuff that comes with him. But, you know, th- he at least looks like something. And he's one year removed from being an MVP. In my mind, Russ is two years removed from being like a higher level quarterback. And he just looks awful. And it looks like he's alienated an entire team. So you're not bringing that in. You're not bringing in those guarantees. They don't have picks they can give you. And, you know, right now, where you're Denver and you're seeing how bleak things look at the quarterback spot, that next first round draft pick they have, um, 2025, right? Or 2024, is far more valuable than any cap room they can gain. by finding some sucker to take on Wilson's salary, you know, or a majority of his salary. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think they're they're just stuck with him, and I, I can't picture any team trading for him. JRB, let's assume Geno Smith sustains his level of play through the season. What contract do you see him signing? Uh, would there be any other teams out there that might be interested? So I think that's the million-dollar question, or $30 million question, I guess, if you're talking about a quarterback. Would other teams be interested? My thought is no. Um, I could be wrong. You know, obviously, you know, Jacksonville signed Nick Foles. Um, but Nick Foles, you know, that, that there was a little bit more, I think, that was there. But, you know, I... My thought, I've said this before, this season reminds me very much of Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Jets in 2015. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a free agent that year and had exactly one other team, or one team interested in signing him, the Jets. Uh, There was nobody else that was really seemingly interested in Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I kind of feel like Smith would fall into that same bucket where no other teams are really going to be that, you know, crazy about bringing him in. So I think if I was Seattle and I wanted to take that chance, um, you know, that I might lose him, but I, I kind of feel like if you did that, you could probably get him on a two-year deal for $20 million a season, you know, or in that in that ballpark. Um, you know, so I, I think that's probably what I would do if I was Seattle. 
I'd run the risk of losing him in free agency. And then I would see... I'm not going to insult him by offering him like 10 million bucks. You know, you're going to offer him some kind of solid contract. But I would offer you know, what that range was when I, you know, I mentioned Foles, where those kind of players were when they got signed, like in the in the low 20s. MB3, what should the Packers do with Aaron Rodgers for the remainder of this season and in the offseason? So in the offseason, it's really just going to be up to him what he wants to do. Um, you know, even if they, even if they came up with a trade for him and, you know, obviously... There's so much money involved, he probably couldn't put a stop to it. But if he just was like, I'm done playing football, you know, that would kind of put a stop to it. So I, I think the um, I think the ball is in Rodgers' court as to what you're going to do with him. As for what you're going to do for the remainder of this season, you probably want to put Aaron Rodgers on the bench. Um he's not going to benefit you any more this year. There's nothing he can do this year that's going to magically increase his trade value. There's nothing he can do this year that's going to make you a playoff team. You've got to evaluate Jordan Love. And even if you even if you've decided Jordan Love isn't going to be your guy, this is at least an opportunity to showcase him to the rest of the league. And maybe you can trade him next year. So I, I think the the main thing is you want to get a look at Jordan Love and see what's there. You know, can he be your quarterback of the future? Can you move him and trade him and bring in some value to, you know, start rebuilding your football team? So I think this is the the perfect opportunity. But it, even if you're just looking at your own future. You've got some young receivers. You've got some young players. Get them on the field. Get them some time. See if there's any chemistry. You know, and then then kind of go from there. Who knows? If he plays really well, maybe Aaron Rodgers will see that and say, okay, you know what? I, I'm going to ask them to trade me. You know, so, you know, who knows? But I, I think for the remainder of the year, for the next, you know, this week it's not going to happen, but... Um, or, the, or are they off this week? I don't even remember. For the, you know, for like the last five games or something like that, um, you know, I would bring in love. Troy, uh, any position group set for market reset or dramatic rise over the current market value? Um, I don't think so. You know, I mean, unless Jefferson, so Jefferson should, Justin Jefferson, in my mind, he should, but I don't think that's going to reset the market. Um, you know, it, Jefferson is the, he's the wide receiver that should be the legit 30. All right, Tyreek Hill is not a legit 30. Devontae Adams is not a legit 28. DeAndre Hopkins not a legit 27. Cup is a legit 26. Jefferson should be a legit 30. But I don't think he's going to pull the whole market up with him. I just think he's a super special player. Um, you know, I, I look at, you know, Edge, they'll get to 30 with Bosa, but that's not dramatic. Now, I, I think, I really think the only other position 
where you, you might see a market shift of sorts. And it depends on how you want to look at Aaron Donald. Um, it's probably your, your interior defensive lineman. Um, you know, if, if we take Donald as a uh, defensive, just a interior player, you know, he's at 32. Yeah, that the, the whole market's not going to, you know, not going to set a new high. All right, the, you're not going to see uh, Quinn and Williams sign him for $33 million a year. But if we take Donald more as being paid like an edge rusher, um, you know, and you've got all these guys at $21 million, you probably are going to see a whole bunch of the guys in between Leonard, uh, new guys show up between Leonard Williams and Aaron Donald, where maybe they blow past Leonard Williams very quickly at 21, and you see some defensive tackles, um, you know, three, four Ds, something like that, get to 25. And that would be a pretty big move, I think, overall for that position, even though we're going to have Donald showing as a, a 30, you know, two or 31, $7 million player. Shoes, two random questions. The Browns do deals with option bonuses in the second year. When does that become like a signing bonus? Could they trade a player before and it would hit the books? Uh, and I know they would never do it, but what would the trade value be for Sauce? See the most valuable non-quarterback. Um, so the way that um, the option bonuses work is if you trade a player before the option bonuses do, all right, um, then that option bonus becomes the... Um, it becomes the responsibility of the new team. So the new team that trades for that player is responsible for exercising the option. They are responsible for the proration of it. And you kind of escape from that. So, yeah, timing-wise, it just depends on, um, you know, when you get that trade. So if you have a player with an option bonus that's due in, like, the first five days of the league year... You know, you need to work on that trade and have that trade kind of ironed out in February uh, or early March so you can, you know, have it ready and raring to go on the first day of the league year. Uh, as for Sauce, I'm assuming you mean Gardner. Um, I don't know what the trade value would be for him. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if... After 17 games, teams are going to put him immediately at the two number one level, the way they did Ramsey. You know, Ramsey, remember, had a couple of years before the trade. Um, I, I guess it would be two first-round picks. Uh, is he the most valuable non-quarterback? Uh, I would say probably not. Uh I'm not sure though. You know, I, I'd have to I'd have to think about that because his his cap numbers are so low. I'm thinking of like edge rushers, but his numbers are so low. I don't know. You know, you're gonna get a good matchup this week between him and Jefferson because one of those guys can probably lay claim to that. Um, you know, as being super value for a non quarterback. Brian, uh, it feels obvious right now, but his arrival came out of nowhere. Jeff Saturday isn't going to be an NFL head coach next year, right? Um, I don't think so. 
but you never know. You know, that, that owner there might do some wild stuff and maybe it wouldn't be a stunner if he came back next year. Native Sun, uh, what does Lamar's market look like outside of Baltimore? Like, how big short is the potential list of suitors if he hits the market? Um, well, I can't imagine he's going to hit the market. Uh, you know, if, if he looked at this and said, okay, um, you know, he, he's going to be available out there um, with two first-round picks as the cost. You know, I think the Falcons would be interested. I think the Giants would be interested. I think the Seahawks would be interested. I think the Patriots might be interested. Texans should be, but they probably wouldn't be. Uh, The Colts probably would be interested. I think the Raiders would be interested. I think there's a lot of teams that would be interested. You know, if he was there and I'm just looking at teams that have, you know, 30 plus in cap room to where it's easier for them to kind of manipulate contracts, um, you know, and and might be willing to, um, you know, do that. So he's not going to get the free agency, though. I I think it's going to be, you know, tough. But I I think if he did get the free agency, you'd have a lot of teams that would be interested in trying to make stuff work. Look. Deshaun Watson last year had like five teams interested and he was coming off some really terrible stuff. And you saw teams moving money left and right to make it work. And I think to make sure if he said yes, that there was no time to, you know, have him change his opinion on it, change his mind. And, you know, that you could immediately execute that trade. So I'm sure some of these other teams, you know, that don't have a lot of cap room would find ways to do it, um, you know, to where they can, uh, they could fit them in. Chris says, how do you find meaning in life? I don't know. Uh, you know, I guess the uh, rooting for the Jets gives you some meaning, right? Um, you know, I, I see you're a Houston fan. That, that that's a little tough one, but uh, yeah, there's always good things to uh, good things in the world. All right, let's take a look here. Uh, let's see, how do we get Caleb Williams to go pro this year? I have no idea. That's uh, Troy jumped in on this. Jason doesn't follow college, and that is true. So I couldn't tell you anything about that stuff at all. Flip, uh, what kind of contract can you see Alex Highsmith getting from the Steelers and the amount guaranteed? Um, I, I don't know what they'll do with the guarantees. They, they're kind of all over the place with what they're doing with that right now as they're kind of making this transition into being a, um, you know, a little bit different, um, you know, with the guarantees than, the, than they were before. Um so I, I'm not sure where they would go with that. Um, as for value, so he's in his third year right now, right? So we're, we're looking at his fourth year coming up. He was a third-round pick. You know, I, I I would guess, and 
you know, again, I, I haven't done enough to really look at this. But I would guess they would probably put him in that same range with Crosby. You know, um, what's he at? Like around 25, 26? Um, let me look up Crosby. Let's see. Edge, edge, edge. Crosby is at... Oh, he's only at 23.5? Ooh, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, he'd still probably end up there. It's still the same kind of, um, I think, deficiencies when it comes to, to doing these deals. You, you get looked at like third round pick, fourth round pick. It's it's not the same as being a top pick, uh, but somewhere in that in that ballpark, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five million dollars a year. Rob, what is the top priority for the players in the next CBA? I should have a whole thing on that. But if I was the players and if I am if I'm looking out for the next generation, all right, and that that's really what these negotiations should be about is the next generation, not your generation. Because the NFL is such a short career, um, your generation is probably not going to benefit unless you're a rookie or a second year player. You're probably not really benefiting much from any kind of CBA that comes through. So I think if you were looking at the future, I think the big thing is you need to shorten the length of the rookie contract. Has to be done. You know, teams make decisions on players after two years now. You have a handful of guys where that changes, um, you know, and may, maybe the outcomes do change in year three, year four. But for the most part, the die is cast after two years in the NFL. And given that, there is no reason to have four and five year contracts anymore. You know, this is different than the days of, um, you know, I. I this is one, I, I may have even mentioned it, um, one of these podcasts before, uh, but you know, the last of the old style NFL really was Eric Berry. Eric Berry was a uh, top pick in 2010. Um, let me just pull up his contract history here, make sure I get the years right. So yeah, Eric Berry was a top pick, fifth overall, um, very good player. You know, he, because of where he was, he fit into that category where he got paid a lot of money. You know, right off the bat, he was making 80 a year, which was, you know, back then, 2010, that's, uh, that was pretty big money. He was under contract all the way through 2015. Okay. So Eric Berry as a, you know, free agent, the first time he hit free agency, he was 28 years old. They franchise tagged him. You know, still a great player. 29, they franchise tagged him again. Now, they ended up doing an extension that year, but that was the way that the, the NFL used to work. You could be 29 years old, get a contract extension, and, you know, play three years on that deal and 
people would look at it and be like, yeah, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is great, um, you know, for the franchise. Eric Berry basically never played again. You know, the new NFL, you're not signing guys 29 and 30 years old to massive contracts. You know, maybe there's a couple players, you know, if you're like a wide receiver, maybe, you know, maybe an older edge. But for the most part, no. You know, th- those are mainly guys who are, you know, holdouts from a prior contract. You know, me- meaning the, the, the money is, is already in the deal and they're still kind of playing it out. Um, but that that type of career doesn't exist. You know, in Eric Berry, you know, you, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have that with these long deals. You know, you'd be spit up or spit out, you know, by the time you're that age. So if you want to maximize earning potential, you want these guys hitting free agency at 24 years old. You know, and that that that's what you got to do. You have to go into it and say, I want to change the system. Don't get wrapped up in revenue splits. You know, don't get wrapped up in concussion stuff. You know, don't get wrapped up in salary cap calculations and franchise tags. Just get to free agency earlier and watch the way salaries rise. Uh, Tom, top players that may be cut for 2023. I'd have to do a whole show on that. May, at the you know at the end of the season, I'll try to put together a list of that, and we'll do a, a topic on that. Matt, possibility of Giants using the transition tag on Daniel Jones. Why wouldn't they if they want to retain him with low risk? I don't think he's worth it. Daniel Jones to me is a a low quality quarterback. Um, I don't think he has the, I don't need, I don't think he has the same tools as a, uh, you know, a Trubisky and Trubisky went into free agency, the first run around and, you know, got what minimum. So I'm not interested in that. You know, if I'm the giants, I, I just want him at a reasonable number. I'm not giving him 30 million bucks to play a year. I, I just don't see that making sense. You know, if if there's a market that develops for Daniel Jones, you know what? Then, you know, more power to him. If there is a team out there that's willing to pay him $20 million a year to start, have at it. You know, he, the market for a player like that shouldn't really be much more than 10 in my mind. So, you know, you can give him all the incentives in the world to give him a possibility to get up to 30. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not going out of my way and using a tag on him and the salary associated with that. Uh, Real dream team. What's a contract look like for CGJ in an extension or open market? Um... That's a good one. And I don't know. You know, he doesn't play a spot where, you know, usually, you know, you get a lot, um, you know, for that. 
you know, if I had a guess, you know, I'm just going to slot them among corners here. Um, you know, I think he'd probably fit in with that group of guys making like around 10. Now, again, I, I haven't given it that kind of thought, looked at it that closely, but I would guess he'd be in with those guys making around 10. I question the podcast. That's a good question. Um, Jacob, uh, what are some of the market resetting deals you see in the near future like Jefferson? And that that's really the only uh, only one off the top of my head that I would really come up with. Um, you know, again, unless we're looking at that defensive tackle position. Um, you know, that that's the uh, that's the only one. All right, I think that will do it for me. So we, we did make it through this in uh, one piece. Uh, before we go, Nelly, anything? No. So, uh, <laughs> all right, hopefully we'll be back next Friday. Um, we'll do another one of these. Uh, if not, sometime the following week, we'll uh, pop back on. But uh, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you all again soon.